0: Beloved Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, are we a Pentecostal church? One might say, no, we are a Reformed church. Others might say, well, it depends on what's your definition of a Pentecostal church. If you mean the Wikipedia definition the church that places special emphasis on a direct personal experience of God through the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which they believe enables them to live a spirit-filled and empowered life, including special gifts as speaking in tongues and divine healing. Mm, No, then we are not a Pentecostal church. But if you mean a church which belongs to God, the Holy Spirit, Yeah, there might be truth in this description. Though we rather see ourselves as church of our Lord Jesus Christ instead of a Pentecostal church. Beloved, it is remarkable that when people speak about the church, the third person in the Trinity is often somewhat loosened or released from the church. The church is is not confined within the walls of one federation of churches, they said. And sometimes one hears, God, the Holy Spirit, sovereignly chooses his own way to allow the living water to cover the earth. And he's not concerned by church walls, but goes where he wants. And therefore, the first question, the most important question Which I say is is not to which church do you belong, but do you have the Holy Spirit? Beloved, this is what we, we see today. Any gathering that calls itself church claims to have the spirit of Pentecost in their midst. Here he is, says the one. Look at our enthusiasm and our vibrancy. Here he is. Or he's here, says another. See how we speak in tongues and heal the sick. No, he's here, says yet another. See how faithful we listen to where the Spirit guides us. The congregation, in his sermon, the Apostle Peter puts things a bit different. For receiving the gift of the Spirit, it does matter in which church you are. Because only where Christ is truly present, there is God, the Holy Spirit. And Peter defines the boundaries of the in his Pentecost sermon. Where he means, this here is the only legal instituted church crafted into God's Old Testament church. Only here true grace is visible, as well as the wonder of God's regenerating work. And, well, beloved, you can't separate the Spirit of Pentecost from the Church of Pentecost. God is one. And although His work is universal, His church is the only one legal body, according to the one hope. As the Spirit says through Paul in Ephesians 4 verse 4, there's only one body and one Spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. This means, congregation, that he who wants to truly celebrate Pentecost should ask, whether he is a living member of the true church of God the Holy Spirit. A true Pentecostal church according to the intention of the Triune God. And so I preach to you the gospel of this of Pentecost this morning under the theme. At Pentecost, we see the true church emerging from Israel and the nation. We consider two points, the transition into this church and the promise to this church. Pentecost, we see the true church emerging from Israel and the nations. First, the transition into this church. Congregation, Peter's sermon at Pentecost hit the hearts of the people. His sermon reminds reminded them of their refusal to listen to Jesus of Nazareth and to accept him as the Messiah. Peter's accusations that they have crucified and killed Jesus is indeed justified and pierced their consciences. And they became deeply troubled. And they called men, brethren what shall we do? Where shall we go? We see here the direct, the first direct effect of the work of the Holy Spirit. Creation Peter's answer then doesn't start with the Holy Spirit. But with the church of Christ's spirit. Peter doesn't respond by saying, Oh, don't worry. It's all Okay. Just enjoy Pentecost, feast, wherever suits you. No, he says, you've got to be here. Don't run back to the temple to bring a sacrifice or a burnt offering for your sins for crucifying the Christ. You've got to be here. Here is the place. Here is the moment to repent, to come to Christ. Now is the time to start thinking and acting in harmony with Jesus' teachings. Here is where the gifts of the Spirit are received. Israel now has a new address. Not the temple anymore, although they could gather there and use some of the rooms to meet there. But not the temple worship anymore, not the priest. But Jesus Christ is the person and the address where reconciliation with Yahweh is received. He now lives in this group of people, in this temple of the Holy Spirit. God has left the temple of stone. The curtain has been torn apart. He has left the temple of stone to dwell in a spiritual temple. And therefore not Aaron... Not KFS, but Jesus is now the high priest of this temple. And no more temple taxes anymore to be paid, but contribution to sustain the preaching of Christ's gospel. No Sabbath reading in the synagogues anymore, but word and sacrament on the resurrection day of Christ. Not the spiritual gifts first. But being a living member of the true church of Christ's spirit. That's the big change of Pentecost. And the institutional church elements of this gathering of the church are the preaching. Faith. Sacraments. The breaking of the bread and baptism. It's here where the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God inspires and equips to witnessing and to preaching and the content of the preaching are the great and the mighty deeds of God in the Messiah Jesus. Though crucified by men, glorified to be at His right hand. Creation, we, we see here how the foundation of the apostolic gospel shapes the church through the Spirit here on Pentecost. Through the proclamation of the gospel, people are saved. Isn't the church the creation of the word, with a capital W? And this proclaimed word is is not optional, but calls for the answer of faith and repentance. And the baptism, sign of the covenant, also is indispensable. Indispensable. It should happen according to Christ's own instruction in Matthew 28. Now is the time of salvation that would come according to Christ's announcement of Pentecost in John 15, verse 26 to 27. And so Peter's audience is, is called in verse 40 to depart from the world, this perverse generation, and depart from the false church. And be transitioned into the true church of Christ and of His Spirit. In congregation, when you, when you read the rest of Acts, you'll, you'll see that, that happening. Initially, the, the church would, would consist of, of Jews. Both in Palestine, but also from other countries of the dispersion. Who confessed Jesus as the Messiah. It also included God-fearing Gentiles who, through proselyte baptism or circumcision, joined the Jewish congregation. And as Messiah following Jews, these members soon came to know themselves to be the new Ecclesia, Acts 5, the brethren, Acts 6, and also as being holy, Acts 9. They are unique. They will be distinct from their own people, and the other religions, religious movements within Judaism. And so we see how Peter here in our text defines her. Defines her as the true church of the new covenant in Messiah Jesus, who is at God's right hand. And Peter has shown the church how to read the law and the prophets as being fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. They are the saved ones, the ones who will call on the name of the curious, as Joel spoke in Acts two, verse 21. Beloved this true church would not remain limited to the Jewish people, or those from other countries, or the proselytes no, verse 39 indicates the universal character of the church. The promises of salvation will also reach and be believed and be believed by those who are, as Paul, Peter says, who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. Soon Philip will give catechism to and baptize a believing in Christ confession Ethiopian official. And Cornelius and his household will be led by God, the Holy Spirit, to come to faith to this church and be baptized. And from Acts 11, verse 20 onwards, also the Greek-speaking population hears the gospel, driven by God's Spirit. In Antioch, we see the first all-Gentile congregation emerging. In fact, it is there where the followers of Christ is called Christians for the first time, Acts 11 verse 26. And not to forget the the application of Amos 9, verse 11 to 12, the prophecy about the Gentiles to be incorporated in the church, as we have heard in last Sunday morning's sermon. And so Peter's sermon implies that the promise of restoration of Israel takes place there in that house on that day. That's the true church, the true Israel of God. And the gathering of God's people Israel receives in Christ's spirit a new focus. The true church of Christ is is not just a Jewish sect, but a congregation, an ecclesia emerging from Israel and all the peoples of the earth. And sure, the, the strategy in Acts will for a long time be... First reaching out to the Jews in the synagogues and then going to the Greeks. And when most of the Jews in the synagogues proved itself to have become a false church because it didn't recognize Jesus as Messiah. The apostles included the Gentiles in their mission work. And the Spirit then went to incorporate them too into the true church. And so we hear Peter here speaking about the power of the Spirit soon to be revealed. Not only in the signs of the wind, tongues of fire, and the speaking in languages. But in the gathering of God's new Israel. The ready now, they shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by repenting, by being baptized. And what is this gift of the Holy Spirit? It's remarkable, congregation, that Peter puts the noun gift in the singular, not in the plural, in contrast to what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8 to 11 about the gifts, plural, of the Holy Spirit. Things like, like wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and prophecy and tongues and interpretation. But, but to those present at Pentecost, Peter says that the baptized believer will receive the gift of the indwelling of the person of God, the Holy Spirit. That is the gift. I know this congregation that Luke here in, in our text makes no mention of of the converts speaking in tongues, or or the apostles laying their hands on the converts so they might receive the Spirit. Of which we may conclude that speaking in tongues and laying on of hands were not considered um, prerequisites of, of the of the receiving the Spirit, and as taught in many as is taught in many charismatic churches today. Now, the context here in Acts 2 indicates that the gift of the Spirit is not dependent on baptism or conditional upon baptism, as many Armenian based churches today would like us to believe. In fact, when you study Acts, you will notice that baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit are related but not necessarily follow each other. And therefore, Peter's instructions to repent and to be baptized, to be incorporated into the new church, and he adds the promise in the future tense that they will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see, brothers and sisters, how Peter defines the true church? There is no smell of of burning sacrifices, or of incense in the true church. There are no royal golden turbans, prophet clothing, nor do the members, church members wear priestly garments. No, everything is it's kind of normal, and yet so remarkably unique. For they all prophesy, fulfilling Joel's Joel's prophecy. They all form a kingly priesthood, a spiritual house. They are all anointed with the Holy Spirit. They don't need a second blessing. And the church doors are not to be closed because they will come from east and west and from north to south, as many as the Lord will call What an amazing grace of the Lord and His love for His true church. My beloved Peter is not yet finished with his answer to the word stricken audience. He has assured them that they are at the right address of the true church as a fulfilled Israel. But as some could and would later ask, but what about God's covenant promises? to his people of old. Is is this Pentecost? Is this now revolution or reformation? And so we come to the second point, the promise to this church. Congregation we just ask, is is Pentecost a revolution in the church or a reformation? Because if it's a revolution, then there's a clear breaking with the old. Then the connection between old and new covenant church has then ceased. But if it's if it's reformation, according to the Spirit, then the unity of old and new covenant church should be clear in that the old is fulfilled in the new. The congregation, it is clear from, from point 1 and point 2 of, of Peter's Pentecost sermon, that there is indeed no cut, but continuity of Scriptures, of church. No new basis, but only a more profound understanding of Scriptures. It's the same stream of living water, but the stream that comes from the house of the Lord is now broader, deeper, Wider. In the Old Testament, the stream of God's grace was was mainly for the Jewish believers and their descendants. This covenantal structure shaped God's people, Israel, into a special people. But this covenantal structure, says Peter, does not only count for the past. In Christ and through His Spirit, it has become a covenantal structure for the present, and for the future. And this is what Peter meant in with, with verse 39. For the promise is for you, your children, and the many others whom God will call. Sure, it's a new covenant, but not another covenant. Isn't the salvation graciously given to Abram and his descendants, to the believing Israelite and his family, Genesis 17:7, 7, not also given to you? So if the Pentecost Israel of the New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old One, then the promises of the Old One are also for the New, for you too, congregation. No revolution, but reformation. Peter is saying, what's happening here in this house with the wind and the tongues of fire and the multiple multilinguistic proclamation and hearing is completely legitimate. It is true. The new blessings are from the same covenant promises made to Abram, which Paul will later call the father of all believers. God's church is now is no complete new tree, but the old stem with new believers being crafted into it. And Paul later discusses this in in Romans 11, when he pictures the the, the Gentiles being crafted into the old stem in Israel. And so the work of God, the Spirit, is the same. Though, since He's outpouring, just much wider and more universal than in the days of old. May i give an example to the children. When you play outside with water, you take a, a jug of water and you, you pour it in the sand, what do you see? You see first a small stream. And the more you, you throw, the more the stream runs out into a big stream. And that's what's happening on Pentecost. First it was a little creek, so to speak, in the days of Abram. Because of the abundance of the Spirit, it became a big river, a whirling whirling river. And so, it's the same river, the same water from the same creek going broader. And therefore, the true church is is not something new. The connection to Abram is clear because the covenant promises are the same. Though they are now fulfilled in Christ. Through his death on the cross and the resurrection, these promises are now also yours. Peter says, look, here is the place. And now is the time where the creek turns into a river. From the moment of his outpouring, God the Holy Spirit abundantly remains among God's people in Jerusalem and in Armadale and wherever He goes. and this broad river of life, and in this broad river of life, the Spirit leads believers to Jesus Christ and lives with the, within their hearts, for their physical bodies are His temple. 1 Corinthians 6.19 And sure, Peter and his fellow Jewish believers consider themselves as God's covenant people, who are the first to receive the blessing of salvation. But not only them. Now you and I may share in this blessing of salvation. And so, congregation, we see the, the true Pentecost church of Christ emerging clearly on that day without her renouncing her roots and basis. And the true church opened her doors wide and welcoming. She's not a mystical sect. Or a bond of exclusive believers. With some national heritage. Of some sort. But those who are one with Abram. And Isaac. And Jacob. And with others like David and Ezekiel. They have new church papers. Late next to the old church papers. In congregation, we see Peter here implying that the true church is looking forward to the completion of the ages without forgetting anything of the past. And so he who wants to join the true church confesses his or her connection and unity with the saints of the past, the present, and the future. That's what you see. Reformation is is always opening the archives of the church papers and declares. Look, here it is. From Abram. Born within the covenant of grace and member of the true church. Equipped on Pentecost with the word. The true apostolic doctrine. Member of the holy, Catholic, universal, Christian church. Indeed, our church and the true church of Pentecost is an open book. Our past is an open book from Adam via Noah and the Patriarchs to Moses and the prophets. That's, by the way, something many calling themselves churches today completely neglect or ignore or even dismiss. And our present is also an open book declared and explained by Pentecost and the Holy Spirit's powerful work through 2,000 years of church history. And maybe controversial church history to those who, who measure according to worldly standards and who ignore Satan's continuous attacks, Revelation 12. But a church who is, despite persecution and heresy, prepared for a heavenly groom's return. And therefore, our books are open. Also, our future is an open book. For blessed are those who are called to the marriage feast of the Lamb Revelation 19, verse 9. We know what is awaiting us. We will meet with those holy ones in heaven in the unity of the Spirit. And so, brothers and sisters, we see on this Pentecost Day the true church emerging as a safe haven, as the mother of the true believer. In this church, Christ pours out His heavenly gifts, for He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 13. And this church, this true church, walks worthy of the calling with which he was called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 3. This church is not afraid to engage into discussion, to keep to the covenant structure, as we've seen last week in Acts 15, verse 6 to 21. This church is not afraid to confront hypocrisy, as Paul confronted Peter and the other church leaders in Galatians 2, verse 11 to 21. And so the true Pentecost church emerges as the church of God's new covenant. No revolution against the Old Testament shadows of temple and sacrifice, but reformation or rather fulfilling of the river plan of God, the Holy Spirit in Christ. And she has this new new church address, not only in Jerusalem, but amongst all the nations, tribes, and languages. And in this world, spreading the gospel, she's in this world, spreading the gospel, but not from this world, rather opposing its anti-Christian agenda. But she's the true church, clearly visible, also in every place where the Spirit of Christ works in her and let her emerge. What a powerful message of Peter about the true church here in Pentecost. And us, Men and brethren, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, what shall we do? Well, we could start with our confession. I believe that the Son of God, out of the whole human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, defends, and preserves for Himself by His Spirit and Word, in the unity of the true faith, a church chosen to everlasting life. And I believe that I am and forever shall remain a living member of it. Also 21. And may God use me as an instrument of this church gathering work. But also confess that this church practices the pure, pure preaching of the gospel. Maintains the pure administration of the sacraments as Christ instituted them. And exercises church discipline for correcting and punishing sins. In short, it governs itself according to the pure word of God. Rejecting, rejecting all things contrary to it. And regarding Jesus Christ as the only head hereby the true church can certainly be known and no one has the right to separate from it. Article 29, Belgian Confession. And now we also live as true believers of this true church. Beloved, the The church who truly wants to celebrate Pentecost needs always to confirm that her worship, her church order, her confessions, in fact all her church papers are spiritual with a capital S. On the feast of God, the Holy Spirit, nothing is vague. Nothing of the past, of the present, or of the future it is one line of God's work, for the promises to you, and to your children, and to your grand children till Christ's return. Peter proclaims this boldly. And what did we see on that day? A positive response of three thousand new church members. Yes, and maybe that have caused some administrative backlog in the church books. For if 3,000 people will join us on this day, we will not be able to handle it. But hey, that's a given. When God the Spirit broadens the river of grace in the true, by-blood-perched church of Christ. And therefore, let us not just confess But let us also rejoice in God the Spirit, who who will continue with this, with His awesome work. Let us, as true Pentecostal church, praise Him, both gift and giver, who is leading the church in the truth and dwells within our hearts. Amen.